And there you have it. The tea Who's has the been tea? poured. <laughs> <laughs> Even before the episode has started. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Awazi podcast. I hope you all have been thriving and living your best life while I've been away. Once again, I apologize for being away for so long. It's a long story, but I quit my job and I went on a 10-day meditation retreat. So we're, we're going to get into it. But for today, I have another one of my close friends joining me in this stewed today. He's a professional chef, entrepreneur, restaurant owner, traveler, and in general, just a beautiful soul. And welcome to the stage, Solomon. Solobolo. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so glad you're here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come uh, give us a visit. And also, he literally brought his own Awaze to the Awaze podcast. That's next level. Yes, you yeah. got to. <laughs> there <laughs> and, needs to be Awaze on the Awaze podcast. And some tea as and well. And some tea. Exactly. Definitely. So yeah. please tell us more about yourself. Okay. Um, well, my name is Solomon. Born and raised in Addis. I recently started my business with my partners, Soul Food. It's a sandwich shop, but I'm not new to the food business. I've been doing catering for the past eight, seven years. It started as something that I was interested in, and then I like a lot of experiments with food. I did that as a student, mostly because I didn't have enough uh, money to buy everything that I wanted. So I, I experimented. It, yeah, it gave me that platform to experiment. And then, yeah, it eventually grew to a business and yeah people started asking me for like can you do this can you cook for us and stuff like that and I was like hey this could totally be a business mm -hmm. and I've been doing that for the past seven years yeah I've been cooking for events catering for different gatherings and family friends and now it has evolved into a proper business um, which started about like five months ago in September right yeah yeah Yes, it's amazing. And Sol is the kind of person you just give him andatant and he was like sabatainet. <laughs> he experiments like totally. I would definitely recommend. I'll plug in his uh, address and the restaurant's uh, Instagram in the description below. You definitely have to check it out. I would highly recommend. Anyways, one of the reasons that I wanted you on here, like I said earlier, going into vipassana meditation, doing that 10-day silent meditation course, it was just it was my first time and it was you know, transformative for me. And I just came out, you know, last week. So even at, and during the meditation, I'm like, I definitely have to talk about this in the podcast. And you came to mind because I remember you're the first person to explain it to us when we were, you know, having brunch at the Loving Hut and you brought it up and you were applying for the first time. And this was seven, eight years ago. And since then, you've gone to it like seven times now? Seven times, I believe, yeah. Yeah. So who, who better to talk about <laughs> this than you? So for people who don't know what we're talking about exactly, like, what is this 10-day course? What is it? Could you describe it in an easier way for people to digest? Yes. So um, Vipassana is a technique taught by the Buddha. It's a meditation technique. And it's been kind of hidden for a long time. And now it's kind of resurfacing in the world. These retreats happen all over the world. And I think it's been 15 years since it first came to Ethiopia. And I heard about it then when one of my friends participated in one of the first, the first courses. But um, honestly, I wasn't really, I didn't even 
know much about meditation or anything that has to do with it. So I wasn't interested about it much until eight years later, more friends of mine did it and they started telling me, yo, this, you know, there's this thing that people are doing. It's a 10 day thing. And by that time, I had already read about meditation or heard about meditation. So I was more interested. And it came at the very right time for me because I also had quit my job at that time. And I was in this situation where I was trying to figure out what to do next. Mm -hmm. So Vipassana happened and I was like, this is the perfect time. And my first course was in Mojo. I went and I'm normally a person that does not talk much unless I'm with like close friends. Mm-hmm. People call me Zagatam no Mufalo. So it wasn't really tough for me to stay quiet for 10 days. The idea of it was not that scary for me. But I'm really happy that I did it without any preconceived ideas of what it is mm-hmm. because that really helped me really understand what it's about and not try to give meaning to it from my own perceptions. So that was really interesting. I think it hit me after I did it. I'm like, whoa, this is huge. (laughs) While I was there, I remember thinking, oh, you know, my mom should do it. My dad should do it. My sister should do it. And Tana should do it. And that kept on happening to me. And I was like, okay, you know, the minute I get out, I'm going to have everyone do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You came with the force. Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, because most of the people in our friend group have done it. The people who are in episode one and two have also gone to the meditation. And it's like, you know, you tell the joke and you just have to be there. situation. You just have to experience it to really see it. But what you can see for sure is after someone has come out of that 10-day course, just the general aura of their energy, the way they digest things and articulate their thoughts has been transformative. And that's one of the things that I saw with you. So just to give people a general rundown. So you do a 10-day course. You're not paying for anything. Your bed and board, the electricity, the water, the food, everything is covered by the donation of old students, people who have done this before. And they won't even accept donations unless you've done the course. So you have to experience it as if you are a nun or a monk for that 10 days so that you could reap all the benefits of it. There's no talking, no cell phones, no reading materials, no writing materials. And it's just you do the course and you're meditating for most of the day. You get, you know, rest in between for food and stuff, but you're just with your thoughts. So anyway, that's basically what it is just for people who haven't experienced it before. I mean, who haven't heard about it before. But yeah, so you've done it seven times. How has it varied for the different times that you've done it? When you've come out, has it been a different experience or has it been the same? Tell me about it. So maybe more clarification on what vipassana is and what it's trying to do so the whole technique is the words itself vipassana means to see things as they are so the the whole technique teaches you to kind of be observing yourself the reality that happens within your body which is also reflected in your exterior surrounding to observe it just the way it is and not as you would like it to be or Mm -hmm. not in in this perception so it's like um hitting reality yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes so this meditation kind of helps you acquire those skills kind of raise your awareness level Mm -hmm. 
And once you do that, and then with that also comes things that you realize about yourself, about your surrounding and everything. Yeah, and you're living in the present. So they explain it like when you're thinking about things that happened in the past, you're just, you know, living in the past and you're recalling memories. Uh, when you're thinking about the future, you're living if you're not present. So exactly. when you're in touch with your sensations and your breathing, you are actually experiencing things right now as it is. And the biggest teaching is that you shouldn't be attached with any of the feelings you're you're feeling now whether it's anger or cold or hotness you know it's gonna pass yes there's That's- also something that the teacher says understanding things from the experiential level which is something that I've never thought of I've never even heard of uh, and that's something that Vipassana really taught me is that you can hear about things you can talk about things for people who are listening to this I want them to know that yes it might be interesting to hear about it Manaman, and then maybe you would like to be taught you know or told by them extensive you own things mm. and understand through it. YouTube videos through a podcast and yeah, stuff yeah but at the end of the day there isn't anything that could give you the whole sense of it mm-hmm. as experiencing it i'd like to encourage people to apply to do it yeah um, for sure yeah but definitely do some research before that definitely ask around people who've done it what their experiences is like all of that yeah so going back to the question how have the experiences varied so from the first time to the third time to the seventh time the different experiences you've had how much have they varied my first time was as i told you i had no idea about it so it was more exciting and i did it from that excitement energy and it was really nice and on the tenth day when we started talking i was like why are we talking <laughs> really that you didn't was want like, to go back i didn't want to go back to talking it was it was very sweet in a way delicious mm-hmm. that um <laughs> being quiet I and mean, i'm in just being with myself i've never interacted or listened to myself to that extent so it was really delicious i enjoyed it and then when i went for the second time i thought oh you know i know this i've done this mm-hmm. and i got this turns out i didn't <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that was i think that was really tough the second time was really tough because then i realized okay now i had perceptions of it now i had experienced what it was like the first time and i had expectations i had built expectations mm-hmm. so i kind of went with the expectation that this would happen that would happen and stuff like that but in reality that that was not what was happening mm-hmm. it was completely different i was a different person at that time mm-hmm. from the first course to the second course i had experienced lots of other things so the things that i took as would be easy for me were not and then the third time was also kind of difficult but then at that time i knew this time it's going to be different so i would not have any expectations but obviously i had expectations you had expectations you had <laughs> yeah. some expectations yeah but each course kind of like gave me more opportunities to dive through my awareness about myself and about my sensations it was more connections with my body and then as it went by i'm realizing that 10 days is not even enough yeah yeah 10 days go by really fast now literally uh, while when i first did it 10 days was like whoa 10 whole days 10 whole days yeah you just be thinking ham samastna garoch and then you'd come back it's been 3 minutes i've lived 5 lives exactly. how is it 3 minutes <laughs> and then yes yeah. sometimes so, yeah. you li- it's a lifetime that you experience within one within minute. Within one minute. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So like you said, you've gotten this deeper level of awareness and I'm sure throughout, you know, your different courses, how has 
it impacted your different choices? You know, how has it become beneficial for you? Well, it really allowed me to take a step back in figuring out what I do, how I do things, why I do them. And honestly, I think it also gives me clarity on my intentions. Like there are times when I'm confused about some things. So I just decide to sit and meditate. And then the concept of not being attached to everything, you know, as we all are, yeah. even after Vipassana, that doesn't go away. It doesn't. You know, it's yeah. still there. The ego's still there. The ego's still there, yes. So it really helped me understand myself in a way. Is this coming from a space of attachment or is this coming from wanting to do something? Like what's the desire? What's the motive? What's the intention? All of that and everything I do I think now that's kind of been something that's incorporated Mm -hmm. and I also understand now my body and how certain things make me feel I also listen to that now while before it might make sense it might be logical but sometimes if I don't feel certain things about some things I don't do it Mm -hmm. and I don't have to I've learned to listen to my body and the information that my body gives me there's continuous information that your body gives you that literally yeah we're not really aware of it yeah but yeah i'm kind of developing that in a way for sure because one of the things they say is don't play the game of sensation because we become slaves to our feelings you're just like moking i'm gonna go here and then i'm mad so i'm gonna do this but you don't realize that that feeling is gonna pass so when you start observing your feelings objectively as much as you possibly can you know when you start doing that you realize yeah i'm upset but I don't have to let it manifest in the physical world or like I don't have to say anything about it. And then, yeah, when you take a pause, you make better decisions. So one of the things that people really wanted to know about is also leaving that core station, the environment that you've been so used to for 10 days, the quietness of it all Mm -hmm. and going back into the city or wherever. How was it like the transition into the real world? Um, For me, so I've done most of my courses here in Ethiopia, uh, some in Kenya and some in India. Mm -hmm. So I would say... um, Yes, each time it was different. The most memorable one that comes is the, my first course. After I got out, it was in Mojo, and we had to travel back to Addis. And it was two of my friends with me. I remember it being very intense with like the taxis, the transportation around, people around, the noise. And I've never experienced it in that a super intense way. I was like, what is going on, you know? And then the other thing that I really remember is my friend telling me that music after Vipassana feels really good. It hits different. It hits completely different. (laughs) So I put my earphone on while we were traveling back to Addis in the the minibus and I was listening to Astera work actually. And I was like, damn Astera. (laughs) (laughs) Damn Astera really snapped with this one. (laughs) What song specifically do you remember? I think it was, it was called Bad. Okay. Yeah, 
it was really, really nice. And then I realized that, you know, there is this certain awareness that I have awakened in myself and the way that I listen to music has completely changed as well. And the other one was the course I did in India. Yeah, that was super intense as well. Did you have time to go? Yes. Right after the course, I was also with a friend. We went to Mumbai. Mumbai was crowded. Crowded. It was like, you know, the Bajaj Utchalu, yeah. the cars, uh, yes, everything was like, it's noisy and we couldn't find room because they had this regulation where foreigners staying, you need to like report or whatever, they didn't want to give us rooms. So we actually had to go back to the center mm-hmm. the same day. Our plan was to like look around in Mumbai, stay for a few days and then see more cities, but we couldn't. So I actually came back from India, not experiencing Mumbai. It was just that day. Oh. Wow. I couldn't. Yeah, that's too intense for me. I, I don't think I can do that. It wasn't. It sounds intense. Just was, going and having being rejected by you know yeah. hotels and coming back. That's a lot yes, to experience exactly. after that. Yes. Wow. Okay. So during your course, what were some of the challenges or like breakthroughs? Tell me one challenge and one breakthrough that happened for you during the course. So let me explain. So for me, the first five days for me was intense because when you're by yourself, you get so overstimulated by TikTok and Instagram and life. Just just in general, I always have something in the background. If I forget my phone when I'm in the bathroom, I'm panicking. Like, how am I going to sit here in quiet for, you know, however long? From that, transitioning into just utter quietness and you observing your thoughts. You know, during meditation, they're asking you to focus on your breathing. So you're bringing your mind back. But when you're by yourself, all you have is your mind. And I just remember having so much anger and resentment towards different people. Like, I'm like, what is going on? And I just had so much anger anger and anger and anger and that for me was a challenge to realize that I'm just like I thought I was a chill person and then I'm just like I didn't realize I had so much anger in my body and then that was a challenge for me the breakthrough was coming out of that and transitioning into after the fifth day I just had nothing but bliss it gave me perspective on the priorities that I'm giving in life I'm like I need to prioritize the people around me the people that I love they need to know that I love them and yeah so that was the breakthrough for me is just a newfound appreciation for everybody Mm. my friends my family just everybody in general like people I work with I'm just like yeah like these people are solid like I need to put in work with my relationships with people and stuff so that was a good breakthrough for me so let me know what yours were I think it was like on my first second and mostly third courses one thing that was playing in my mind is one thing that I realized is that I am a very creative person. So in Vipassana, I've I've designed houses, I've designed uh, clothing, you know, I've cooked in my head, <laughs> like a lot of things that ha- I have, like when I get out of this place, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. This is a dope idea and stuff like that. So I kind of understood that there's a continuous flow of ideas that if you allow yourself to sit and mm-hmm. listen to that, they'll come. Mm-hmm. And so you never run out. So it kind of helped me this understand myself and how these limiting beliefs we have. Before, if I have a great idea, I'd try to like hold on to it. Gatekeep it. Gatekeep it, exactly, so that nobody <laughs> does it. I'm, I'm going to be the first one to do it and stuff like that. And I've seen a lot of ideas that I had that I thought were like brilliant being executed with people that I don't even know. And I'm like, how are they getting this? You know, like sometimes it's scary. Do they live in my mind, these people? <laughs> 
<laughs> but then I realized, you know, there's always one thing comes and then the other thing goes. Mm. Yeah. The other breakthrough, a huge understanding for me is that what you said about like how we categorize people and how we have this separate idea of me and them, mm. me and you. And at the end of each course, I would say I realize it hits me more and more that we're all the same at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, certain things might be different, but those are just the way we do things or the way we express ourselves, the way we, whatever. But at the end of the day, we're all in need of peace. We're all in need of love. We're all human and we're all in this together and we're all trying to figure it out. Yeah. And that understanding was really profound for me. And like even dealing with people that I don't want to deal with, I now understand, oh, these people are not that separate from me or there isn't me and them kind of thing. Exactly. They say that I, my and mine, we are just so entangled in it. And we're just like, yani shito, yani something, mine, mine, mine. And we're just like so attached exactly, yeah. to it. It just kind of dissolves a bit. It yes. never truly grows away unless you reach Definitely. a really higher level of enlightenment. But you realize that's ridiculous. It is super ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you didn't mention a difficult part. So one of the most difficult parts of your experience. The difficult part was two times that I recall and both of them have to do with my mom. The first one, on my first meditation, I realized that I had so much anger towards her. Uh, we talked about this. Wonderful. Yeah. Like I recall them a time where I was at home, we were fighting, my dad was there and all of that. And then how I had a lot of anger towards my mom. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was my fourth or fifth course I did in India. That was right after my mom passed away. And that was where I mourned her, where after she passed away, I had work. I had a lot of people coming, Menamen. You know, the, the usual, like, so... You couldn't feel your feelings. Yeah, in that yeah I, I, I wanted to. I tried to. But then... It wasn't like being in the course. So I think that was when I cried the most and I laughed the most. That's good. That's good. I'm so happy for you, Solri. That's good. So one of the things I wanted to know is, I don't know if we had the same teacher, but he said, I used to love chicken. And after my first 10-day course, I got out and I'm like, yeah, chicken, because they've been feeding me this vegan shit. I want some chicken. And then he got it and he could not bear the look of it, the sight of it. He's just like, oh my God, this is so weird. So there's other things. It doesn't necessarily have to be food, but people say after you leave, you're kind of weirded out or just you take a pause to be like, this is the thing that I enjoyed. Mm. This is the thing that I couldn't live without. Mm. And then if you've had any of those experiences and what was it? Yes, I think for me it was the lifestyle that I generally had mm. or like the people pleasing behavior that I still have that mm. I'm trying to work on. You know, sometimes you go out or I don't know, you do this random shit for just to show face or just to show face or thinking it's fun or you don't want to be alone at home yeah. or whatever, you know. So like I understood that what is driving me to do. Th- I still do those things. I still go out. I still have fun. I was drunk last night. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't mean that that stops and you don't have to do it uh, again. But it really like made me question, why do I do that? You know, <laughs> why do I interact with, with certain people that I interact with? I'm not saying I'm going to leave everybody and be I isolate myself and be this enlightened being yeah, just a <laughs> that I want. Shave your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but understanding how I show up in life, how I show up for myself, how I show up for others as well, and how mostly 
we think we're there for each other. We think we love each other. But in most scenarios, that's not it. We're just trying to cuddle ourselves with mm. whatever emotion that we have. So. Yeah, and the people around us. And the people the around us, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. For me, so literally, I left on Sunday, right? On Monday, some drama happened from the job that I left. If it was Leila Gizé, I would seek out vengeance. Like, I would be so angry that it would eat me for a whole week. Mm. It literally happened, and I'm like, that's okay. Like, we can get past it. Like, let's find a solution for it, is immediately what I went to. My first instinct wasn't sheer rage. Mm. And I'm just like, look at you. Mm. I'm just like, wow, (laughs) look at you being cool headed. I really want to keep that. That's the first thing that I noticed about myself is my reactions to things. People have been cutting me off driving and I'm just like, have a good day. I just want to keep that energy because why are you wasting energy on this negative emotions? Even the good ones also, you shouldn't be attached to it. You know, you shouldn't create craving and being just attached to the good feelings. But having a neutral ground and saying this bad thing has happened, yes, but it's going to pass. And this good thing has happened. Great. But I don't have to be attached to it. I don't have to crave that situation. So for my experience with the negative emotion, I was just so surprised of how I kept it together. It didn't take effort for me. I just couldn't be angry. I just didn't have the range to be angry. And I just hope to, you know, keep that. So that's the one thing for me. But yeah, uh, one of the weirdest things for me there was having vivid dreams because there's no distraction. There's nothing you're watching or whatever when you're sleeping. And there's nothing you consume like alcohol or whatever to create that barrier in your brain. So did you? get the vivid dreams through? Yes, there were instances I had vivid dreams and it's weird because usually when I go for a course and then after the third, fourth day, even though I'm sleeping, I'm super aware. You know what I mean? It's like half asleep, half awake. My body's sleeping. I'm resting. But like if a fly would move, I'd be like, oh, this is happening. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yes. So even when you're sitting for meditation, uh, it kind of feels like a dream sometimes. The memories, the thoughts resurfacing and coming back kind of feels like a dream. Mm. Uh, If you're really into deep into it. So yeah, I've had those experiences. But now that you're talking, I also realized there were so many moments when I wanted vengeance (laughs) on someone. And then I would play out scenarios after scenarios of Yo, when I get back, I'm going to tell this person this. I'm going to tell this person that, you know. But I'm just going to go so A lot of them, yes. And then you come out and you're like, you don't even care anymore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have the range to be. Angry. Exactly. Yes. I've heard people say this, but I didn't realize until, again, you have to be there. You know what I mean? You have to be there and experience it to feel it. But the first time I heard about a friend of ours, uh, so his ex-roommate gave away his cat while he was in meditation and he's like I heard about it as soon as I got out and he's like I just couldn't be angry I'm like he took your pet your cat what (laughs) like I was like that's insane to me I would be coming for his life and then after I did the course I'm like this makes so much sense yeah because you don't have the range to be angry because you're just like I'm upset yeah but yeah. You know, it is yeah. what it is. It and is what it is. Yeah. But I also want to mention to people, you know, like one of the things they say in Vipassana is don't share your experiences with others because ah. it creates expectations. expectations. And I can say for sure that you, whatever that you experiences that you've had, and yes, we have some similar experiences, but it doesn't mean that everybody's going to get yeah. that, whatever that we're talking about. These are just our experiences. And then as one as we are, yeah. <laughs> we're also different in so many ways. Our experiences are different. Our thoughts are different. 
different. Our conditionings are different. So whatever we have inside is what's going to come up. Yeah. So so actually, a good point. That's a great segue because I wanted us to talk about, and also a friend of ours wanted us to talk about, the bad experiences that people have had during your service or maybe when you were there. Could you share some experiences that other people or you have gone through where people have breakdowns, you know? Some people don't expect all the thoughts, all the feelings to resurface. There's so much trauma that we're trapping in our bodies and we don't know how that is going to resurface because basically they describe it as a surgery for exactly. for your brain, but for your trauma and everything. So you don't know what's going to come up. So lots of people have breakdowns there. Sometimes people have panic attacks and stuff there because it's just so intense. So could you uh, explain a situation where you've seen that when you were giving service or when you were you know, doing your courses? And how did that person come out of that? How do you help someone in that situation? Well, I don't know much stories about it because when these things happen, they're usually dealt by the teacher. Mm-hmm. The teachers are... they. They do this, so they yeah, know what to do. Yeah, they're trained for it. Yeah. They're trained for it, and they, they have the experiences. But there are some courses where a therapist needed to come to assist people. There are some courses that contain professionals mm-hmm. in them, if anything happens. But they usually screen through, so they ask you a lot of questions while you're applying so that they can understand what to expect. Mm-hmm. And if they feel like there might be incidents, they might say, no, you shouldn't do it now. Maybe do it later. Or have you consult your doctor or therapist, counselor? And they give you they give you references for that as well. Yeah. If they feel like, no, this is going to be too much for you. But these things happen happened to every one of us you know I've had a breakdown in courses yeah I've had a course where I've cried all the 10 days mm. <laughs> you know and but the most shocking one for me was uh, one in Kenya on the fourth day when we went deeper into the actual vipassana technique the person sitting next to me started shivering and you're sitting and you're facing in front, you don't really see what's next to you, but mm-hmm. I could see or feel that this person was shivering and it wasn't cold. It was a hot day. And then that really scared me. I'm like, what? what is happening? Yeah. What the hell is happening? And funny how I was like, I turned to Jesus. I was like, by Jesus. <laughs> 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 I started praying right there. We pass a number on meditation terrace. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, literally I was like, "Pay Jesus, oh my god. Help me. What the hell is going on?" And I wanted to tell the teacher, but I know they're also there observing and everything. And it only happened that day on that mm. day and then the rest of the time, um, I think it happened one more time Yonak and Lai. And I expected that person to leave. Mostly what happens is people People leave, leave yeah. Yeah. Three and people left from our course. Yes. When it becomes too much, uh, they do encourage you to stay and to try pass it as much as possible because there's this peak of whatever anxiety. Of course, we surface and then it picks and then it dies out eventually. So they encourage you to stay longer to experience what comes after that. But if you can't, you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. And you can always try and then do it the next time too. I know a lot of people who tried it the first time, day one, day two, day four, they left hmm. and then they come back and then they do the course again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And also you have uh, assistant teachers to talk to if you have any problems. There's a Q&A sessions with the teacher every day if you request for it. You can get 
even longer time during lunch times to sit and talk about the technique or how you're feeling, how it's making you feel, etc. So there's always people there for support. So, you know, it's not always, you know, rainbows and sunshine. There's no. lots of things that resurface. For me on the third day is when I had my first breakdown and I'm just like, what is all of this emotion? Like mm. you said, vengeance. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm just like so many arguments that I've had with people. And then now I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And then you let it go, but it's just a process. So it unsurfaces lots of things. Yes. So be and wary. The, the other thing that, like, this person that was sitting next to me on the 10th day, we started talking. This person comes up to me and says, You have been a big help. And I was like, What? What, <laughs> what do you do? mean? We didn't even talk. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And he said, You've been an inspiration and thank you for your help. Wow. And that was. You were sending good vibes. You were praying. I, I guess I, I oh was praying. God. Exactly. I was yeah. like, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's yeah, nice that was really beautiful for me that to, was amazing. to hear and to experience oh my gosh so transitioning into also you know professionally has this technique or this experience contributed to your work of course you said you know the whole free flow of ideas and stuff but you have a business now soul foods so how do you incorporate this technique in your everyday work I would say so the, the technique teaches you to be aware of your sensations on your body mm-hmm. and your thought patterns and a lot more than that as well but um, that really helped me in like things that I would get away from before just because they were uncomfortable or just because I didn't have the capacity to handle it. That awareness I have about myself makes me pull through things that I wouldn't any other time. Mm. At the end of the day, we deal with people and it's the people that we're either afraid of or we hate or we're jealous of or menamen. And those emotions are the ones more than the actual problem of it. The meaning that we give to these problems are the ones that hinder us from attaining whatever we want to attain. It has really showed me that observing part of me that is continuously observing and giving me information about, yo, today I came. This is my first time at a podcast. I'm obviously nervous. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I didn't let it stop me or you're not driven by your emotions, but by your goals. Mm. So I think one of the things Vipassana helped me is, yes, I have a goal. And then in trying to attain that goal, I might go through an emotional roller coaster, whether sure. it's good emotions, bad emotions, and everything, but that doesn't dictate my actions. Mm-hmm. So I act from a place of knowing what I want, and that gives me a lot more confidence, and that gives me more time to kind of like calm down, think about things, and even if I don't do it, then. We mostly want something and we don't do it because of, I don't know, whatever reason. And then because we didn't do it, we start criticizing ourselves and we blame ourselves. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? So even deciding not to do something becomes from a place of, okay, it's been decided. decided. I'm not going to look back. back uh, 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 Yes. And then you're not attached to the outcome that could have been or the outcome that it is. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I want to know, what's the first thing you wanted to eat? After you left your course, like what's Mindra Mamra Satota? Oh, each time it's different. Okay. Each time it's very different. But I remember a course that I sat with my <laughs> friend, and then I think it was on the fifth day or fourth day, I don't remember, I started craving katfu. Mm. 
and I was like, "Kitfuk, as in not ah." And this was this was in Kenya, so I was like, oh. "She probably knows places because she lives there." Ethiopian restaurants, manam, and like the minute we get ad, got kazibates, got the tower, the kitfuk. Menamen, menamen, and then asun plan ar game nam charshalo, and then we come out, we start talking, and she comes to me, and she's like, "I had a dream where you came to me, and you were like kitfuk for." Stop. Oh, not <laughs> Stop. I'm like, no, it wasn't Katwofer, but it was Katwofer. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> She's What? like, I had a dream, uh, reoccurring dreams, demo, like Katwofer. You really want to make it Wow. Yeah. You... And we did. We actually went, well, we ordered from an Ethiopian restaurant. That is we, incredible. We that That's actually epic. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah, I think any anyway, I thought of Katfu at some point, but I thought of my mom's cooking. I wanted her Katfu. And then I'm like, "Mister." Mm, For me it was just I was just recalling my mom's cooking and all the things that I'm going to eat after I leave, which is today. So, <laughs> I'm going to go home today afterwards, which actually a great segue. Uh what did your family and friends think of it when you were doing it for the first time? How do you explain this to them as a concept? Were they accepting? Were they like, "No, he Hayman touching effect them?" Yes, they were obviously somewhat skeptical about it. My mom was like she was okay with it. She knows that I try new things and stuff like that. She was not happy with the fact that I was going to be away for 10 days, but I had decided so she knew that I was not going to back down. <laughs> she was kind of okay about it. Mm-hmm. I think it became more difficult after I came back because then I was a completely different person. Oh. Yeah. But I feel like in a good way, no? For me in a good way, but people don't usually understand that because they don't know what experiences you've gone through. That's true. And doing it the second time third time that's when they were like well what's going on mm-hmm. why are you doing like are you converting into something some kind of buddhism yeah. in oh. my dad i remember after so long my sister decided to do it and then she went for the course during that time he wanted to call her and then he couldn't reach her so he calls me and he's like i can't reach your sister what's going on and then i'm like she's gone for the meditation course oh you converted her <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can say that. And yeah, and she's she's the one that has actually been explaining to him that this is not a religion. It's not. It's very scientific, I would it's say. It's very scientific. It's yeah. not religious at all. And if you're religious, everybody from every background, from every religion can come take the course. Yes. It's for everyone. It's just universal problem solving for a universal problem that has no race, no religion, nothing, no dogmas in mind because this is not rites and rituals. There is no ritualistic thing to it at all. Exactly. It's literally being aware of your sensations. like there's yes i say it's like you exercise for your body mm-hmm. this is an exercise, exercise for, for your, your brain yeah, yeah for sure for sure yeah so going into the restaurant business what was the most difficult part about starting your business here i would say my own limitations of wow. course money definitely the bureaucracy manamen manamen but one thing i've realized is that i've been wanting to start my own restaurant business for a while now but we're not taught how to start a business nobody teaches you that no, shit i'm no. still figuring it you we know just know I mean? mitochondria is the powerhouse of the city <laughs> manamen <laughs> i don't even know that shit. 
<laughs> How is this going to help me in life? Huh? But yeah. Yeah, but I had a lot of fear as well because of my own belief systems that eventually I realized and therapy also helped me mm-hmm. through this un- sure. understanding myself better and understanding my own belief systems. What belief systems do I carry with me that are like limiting me from what I'm trying to achieve? After that, I think I've been doing a lot of meditation, a lot of affirmation and a lot of journaling for myself and then trying to understand myself more because you can always blame it on external things like you know internal honam internal honam internal yeah. but there's also a way while there are so many thousands and millions of people that are doing it out there but the condition that we're at menamen it is super frustrating i'm not going to lie for sure, for sure. but you know understanding myself more helped me figure out why i do some things the way i do them or why i don't do them so in starting a business i think i always had that assumption that as a businessman you know you're supposed to be this know it all do it all mm-hmm. and i don't know at least in my exposure the people that i was exposed to as business owners were like very active they knew everything they're very good with people they know everybody yeah yeah but i felt like i needed to be those people mm-hmm. for me to achieve that but now i'm kind of turning it into my your own my own thing like what are my qualities that i can leverage on and then what other qualities can i use from other people that i can also use as leverage so i now have a business with three other partners oh. yeah so that's one thing i feel like i've changed throughout the years is that I'm not trying to do it all. I'm being open to help, I'm being open to collaborations and I don't have to figure everything out on my own. I'm realizing more and more that I am a person of community. I thrive in community and I thrive in doing things together and getting help and helping others and stuff like that. Nice. I love that. That's I didn't expect that. <laughs> so, I wanted to know when you go into creative mode. Like you said, that creativity was like overflowing yeah. as you were doing your meditation. So when you go into your creative action mode, right. or so when you're experimenting with food, what ingredients do you need on hand? You're just like to start your creative mode or you don't, you can just work with what you have. So I think I, I work both ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get ideas of like, okay, I need this and that and I get those ingredients and sometimes I just work with whatever I have. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned to cook. I taught myself how to cook. A lot of videos, readings, recipe books, and a lot of experiments obviously. Mm-hmm. And while I was a student, we would live in a dorm. And yeah, and then we had a kitchen manamnagar, so we had to cook ourselves and we would come together like, "Hey, I got potatoes. I got <laughs> onions. I got into what can we do? Let's just do this." Yeah. And that was me usually leading the if we do this with this and manamnagar just creating stuff out of whatever the one that's most memorable to me is your ananas wet <laughs> ananas wet is i want to have it again like if it's ever happening i'm coming like i'm driving to bulbula to come have some ananas wet so i want to know if in the swinet combination a combination of stuff that you wouldn't expect to be good but just worked for you what is the one that you can say is- i think the ananas wet concept came from us doing a catering at i think it was in zoma zoma mm. museum and then we were cooking for an event and this friend of mine was she was doing dessert on from on the side and i think i was doing firfir for our breakfast and then she's like anta kwata from ananas what largo little tchla la i'm like that's actually a brilliant idea <laughs> You're like, thank you. I will commandeer <laughs> yes. this situation. So one of the things that my mom taught me is when she makes dorot. So my mom is not even Ethiopian, right? Yeah. But I feel like I've learned a lot of Ethiopian cooking from her, mm-hmm. and I think this is something that she takes from my dad. Um, he's taught her a lot of Ethiopian cooking. So she'd say, you know, they put edge in dorot, and then Where? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but they do somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, they put edge in dorot. But even if they don't, the way dorot is made, yeah. the onions are like almost brown. They're caramelized, yes. so the sweetness comes out. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that combination of sweetness and miakatel like yeah. something hot. It works. It works. It really works. Do you put edge in your dorot? No. Okay. Okay. I thought that's what you were gonna say. But I do in awaze. <laughs> <laughs> you do? Is yeah, there edge in this No, Aussie? there's no edge in this Aussie. There's wine in this Aussie. Yes. yes. Oh my God, I can't wait to taste it. I wish we had some bread, like with an kebab. <laughs> I can't wait to taste yeah. it. Thank you so much for bringing it. Well, is there any question that I should have asked that I didn't? No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with everything. <laughs> <laughs> because we're about to enter the fun question segment. Okay. Fun question segment. So if you could turn any activity into an Olympic sport, what would you have a good chance at winning a medal for? It could be libsmataf. It could be any activity. What would you have a good chance at winning a medal for if it was an Olympic sport? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Let's get our minds off the gutter. <laughs> I did not even go there. <laughs> I feel like I went there and then after I just read it now, when I was writing it, I'm just like, oh, Lubismat Afmanam is what I had in mind. But now I'm like, people hearing this are going to be like, mm. <laughs> I don't know, probably cooking. Okay, I'm sure there's awards for that. So, Lemonat Satafim. Go on Hell's Kitchen. Bring a little zen to the situation. Well, so as I said, I taught myself. I was super interested in cooking. So, I watched a lot of shows and mm. cooking in Manaman. And one of the things that I now feel like I can boldly object mm. is the fact that chefs have to be these assholes that are always yelling mm. and screaming. And even the cooking shows are mostly. Competitive nacho. Yeah, it's very high <clears throat> pressure. Manan. It's very high pressure. Manan, manan. And I always felt like that I needed to go through that kind of process for me to be like an actual chef mm, or manan. That validation. Exactly. But now I, I feel like, no, in the way that I work at the Mandal I love community. And food for me is that. Food is my love language. Mm-hmm. Food is the way I bring people together, the way I connect with people. So it's not that intense Yohona or very, like, you whatever the stereotype. Shows, yeah. Into, yeah. yeah. So That's good. Yeah. I want to ask, so what are you most grateful for this week and why? I think my business partner. It's been quite, like, a challenging past four months for me since the business started. A lot of things that you do not anticipate come up come up and we just learn how to do them as you go along and one of the things that I do is I'm always trying to be in a space where I know how to do some things and then do it mm. and if I do it without knowing it doesn't feel like I'm doing it or I don't give myself much credit so even though he's a business partner he's not actively involved in the business but he's been seeing how challenging it's been for me so he's been very supportive in accompanying me to go get something leoni chilal or in doing this and doing that mm. and i've been abusing that a lot so <laughs> i'm very grateful for that oh that's sweet yeah. that's so sweet send him a link of this after <laughs> see what that. the next question is what would you like named after you it could be a physical thing like a building, a planet, a river, or it could be an action, like that kind of dance, whatever. So what would you like named after you? I guess Abbalal, I would Ab-Balal? say. Abbalal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is the solo bolo. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the 
honestly not. Yeah, I do eat. I love eating, so. That's that's great. Yes. Oh, uh, this is very full circle. <laughs> yes, I love that. My last question is, so you said you used to be employed before and then you quit yes. right before you went to the meditation like me. So what would be the advice you would give your previous employer now in retrospect? Um chill. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. Yes. <laughs> Definitely, you know. I mean, um I could say that I understand the pressure that the work brings, whatever, 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 but um I would say chill. And now me being on the other side as an employer, I also remind myself that continuously like you know one of the things that i want to create or help foster is the culture of not working hard but working smart and allowing people to use their own skills and qualities with their own authority and not having been told to do this or do that you know sometimes work feels like school not even high school maybe elementary do this do that or you're not given that space for you to be you i would say there's definitely other ways of doing things there are infinite ways of doing things you know <laughs> and it's always helpful to look at that mm-hmm. or to question what can i do differently how can i do it yeah i've worked in hotels I've worked in places where I'm still like family with those people with my employers mm-hmm. and then my chain of malacho people that I never want to <laughs> see again <laughs> yes and the sign at the mentenon chalu so the the bigger it gets institution yes of us hate the complicated it becomes yeah yeah so i guess in the essence of it and in, in establishing soul food that's something that i want to carry with me that lightness of your life is not supposed to be all work. work you know you work you have fun work can be fun too and i feel like we're kind of really doing well in, in those senses our employees are delivering more than expected and that's because of the culture that we're trying to build where we get together every month we talk about wellness we talk about the challenges of the work that we do and the challenges of working together with other people i think through the years i've realized that we are emotional beings we cannot deny our emotions so how can we work in an environment where our emotions are acknowledged are expressed in a way also so we also bring up these kind of topics for people to talk about to learn from each other also something new so this like mingling training sessions that we have every month has kind of helped us be a community among ourselves and mm-hmm. then create that space for us to be open about things that you would not talk about other de la bota, de la bota. yeah that's amazing yeah. i love that i didn't know that that was part of the culture for your work because i know in uh, soul food you guys have events for that type of really mindful activities but i love that you're incorporating this into your work so while we're here please tell us about your work or anything else you would like to plug that uh, you would want people to know about as well soul food now we're mainly focusing on catering and the sandwich shop that we have in Bolebulbula. For me personally, I'm more interested in the catering and the creative aspect of it because once you come up with a menu and you have to stick to it, that's like a it's routine. It's yeah, over. <laughs> it's over. So in those aspects, I'm more involved in managing in Menamen, but when it comes to the catering and then I'm definitely the one that like creates most of the menu for that and that allows me to get creative and that's also one of my um happy places. And we're trying to find new ways of doing things and collaborating or putting things together like you said yoga with breakfast yoga with brunch something that has to do with wellness and food and of course music and community and 
coming yeah. together, all of that. So that's the essence of soul food. And our mission is actually to create generational and international brand that is not just limited to Ethiopia and to just the time that we're in, mm. but also something that can last Long beyond yeah. us and beyond. Also, I want to see Ethiopian food being taken seriously and being consumed all over the world. That's the goal that we're moving towards. I want to explore African cuisine, Badem, and I also want to introduce Ethiopian food to the African. The masses. Yes. Yeah. I'll leave the link for soul food in the description. Is there anything else you want to promote? Come to our brunch on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, every month we have brunch that happens at soul food. Mm. Um, it's interesting. It's not the usual brunch. The whole point is also for you to try something new, try something different. It's a fun, very welcoming space. So definitely you might find me there too, you know. <laughs> so for me, actually, this episode, I want to plug Vipassana. I'll put the link of their social media there as well. I will put the website where you can go check out more information and see for yourself and also see the schedules that they have so you can apply. The orientation center right now is in Hayahulet. So I'll definitely leave it there so you guys can check it out. But yeah, thank you so much for coming. So low. Thank you I for having me. You. This was fun. I hope you had fun. I, I can't had. wait to taste this awazi. He also brought tea, like I said earlier. We'll enjoy this afterwards. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. And yeah, that's the end of the episode. Thank you all for listening. Please check out all the links in the description. And if you have any questions that you have, DM me on the Awazi Podcast Instagram and I'll get right back to you. Then <laughs> I